Welcome to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. I'm Paul Reismandel. And as you have heard on the show in the last couple of weeks, the FCC has announced the dates this year in 2021 when there will be a new opportunity to apply for a full power non-commercial radio license here in the United States. And this is an opportunity that only comes around every so often. And so it's why we're paying attention to it. You know, a radio license is not like getting a driver's license. Um, it's not a matter of you decide you want to get a radio station and you just immediately call up the FCC, fill out some paperwork, and it's granted. At this point in time, in part driven by the fact that most of our radio dials across the United States are pretty full, instead the FCC gives out licenses or auctions off commercial licenses on kind of this rolling uh, basis called a window where they say for a set number of days, folks can submit their applications, uh, simply put, for radio licenses. And then the FCC goes through them and grants them uh, based upon a number of different bases. Uh, if it's a commercial radio license auction, um, well, then it's an auction, right? So assuming you're qualified, it's going to be based upon a highest bidder. Uh, for non-commercial licenses, it's not an auction. Uh, you do not pay for them. And so there's a, a slightly different kind of qualification regime uh, in which the FCC tries to provide the license to the most qualified entity organization in a given uh, city or area of license uh, where they've applied for it. Um, and so we thought it would be good to go back and actually revisit an episode here from October of 2020, where we talked to Frank Montero, who's a partner with the law firm of Fletcher, Heald, and Hildreth. Uh, they specialize in communications and broadcast law. And in fact, they publish a blog called the Com Law Blog. Um, because originally back in October is when then FCC Chairman Pai hinted at the fact that there would be an opportunity to get a non-commercial license in 2021. Um, and so immediately we wanted to learn more and who better to go to but a very experienced broadcast attorney who's helped many, many, many organizations uh, apply for and successfully get licenses from the FCC. Now that those dates are set, Coming up in November of 2021, we wanted to go back and listen to Frank's advice again. And this is important, even though right now it is only June, which seems many months away from November. If you are part of an organization that may want to try and obtain a license, now is the time to get that organizing together. And Frank lays out uh, pretty clearly a lot of the steps and things you need to be aware of uh, before you apply, taking into account the fact that a non-commercial radio license can only go to a qualified entity, which includes, say, a nonprofit organization, a school, a college, uh, a or a church, or a tribal community. Um, I, as an individual, cannot just go out and apply for a non-commercial license. It has to be on behalf of a non of a nonprofit organization or one of these other types of entities. And there's even more things uh, to keep in mind there. And so now let's learn more. I'm happy to welcome from Arlington, Virginia. We have Frank Montero, who's a partner with Fletcher Heald in Hildreth. A communications law firm that that has a lot of experience uh, working in radio in particular, 
And we're here today to talk a little bit about some upcoming licensing opportunities for people who might want to get their own radio stations. Welcome to the show, Frank. It's good to be here, Paul. Uh, wonderful. And thank you for having me. So I know that the uh, FCC announced uh, very recently that there's going to be uh, an opportunity coming around in 2021 for folks to be able to apply for a full power, non-commercial radio license. And because I know that we have folks, you know, who are listening in on the radio, who are new to all of this and thinking about radio and some some old pros as well in the audience, you know, can you tell us actually a little bit about like what is a non-commercial radio license? Like how does how does that differ f- or you know from say what someone might hear from their typical commercial radio license? Yeah, well, um, so the FCC did make, or the chairman, it started out with the chairman of the FCC making an announcement that they were going to be opening up what is referred to as a filing window that gives an opportunity for the public to file for these frequencies in the non-commercial band. The non-commercial FM band is that lower part of the FM register where you tend to find many of the non-commercial stations, college, university stations, NPR affiliates. It's located in the, in the eighties band range. And within that band, that is a segment of the FM uh, uh, band that was deliberately set aside for purely non-commercial purposes. Um, The FCC had already opened up a window for filing commercial FM applications last year, or actually, yeah, it was earlier this year, I guess it was. And, uh, and then, and then there was going to be an auction uh, uh, for those, for those uh, applicants that were uh, mutually exclusive with each other. And we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about what that means, but then everything of course got put on hold because of the pandemic with things slowly uh, ramping back up, the FCC is looking to go reinstitute that that FM auction. That is sort of a threshold matter that has to be taken care of. And then the current FCC chairman, Ajit Pai, sent a letter after a hearing this summer to uh, Congress to basically say that um, it was their intention to be opening up a non-commercial FM window in the very near future after the commercial auction was done. And now it appears that they're starting to move forward with that. Originally, there was speculation that it might happen before the end of 2020. But I think you're right now. It's probably almost certainly going to happen a little later in 2021. And for a non-commercial license, if someone were to say, hey, you know, I might like to start a college radio station or I might like to start uh, a community radio station, uh, what are the qualifications? Can I, can I, you know, Paul Reesmanel, can I just uh, submit my application to the FCC during, during this window? Well, the community stations and perhaps in some instances uh, college stations that you're referring to are frequently low-power uh, FM stations, and I know we're going to be talking about that a little later. That's a s- considered by the FCC to be a separate classification. These are non-commercial FM stations that are are usually um, 
you know, run by, they're, they're a little more expensive to, to, to operate. They have more power, but yes, there are um, limits in, in, in terms of who is qualified. Uh, they, they are, they, they tend to be uh, 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 steered toward um, universities, um, nonprofit organizations, in some instances, um, governments, uh, like local governments or lo- local communities, but basically not commercial enterprises. That's, that's usually tends to be the, uh, the, the qualifier there. So, um, so, so, and, and there is in fact, you know, with, with regard to, um, the non-governmental entities that they be, um, nonprofit organizations that are, that are usually running. That's why you, you frequently will see them going with, uh, with colleges or universities or some, in some cases, just, uh, nonprofit groups that have pulled together to, to own and operate, uh, a, uh, non-commercial stage. It's kind of like you see with Pacifica Foundation and others. Yeah, and you mentioned you know that these are, are are higher power stations. I think we you know we commonly at least uh, call them sort of uh, full power stations. Uh, you mentioned they have higher power, so so give us a sense of, like when you talk about higher power, like like how much how much power might that be, and, and what kind of coverage areas are we talking about could be possible? Sort of just a range. Right. Well, the traditional non commercial FM stations tend to have coverage areas that are really not unlike what you would see with a commercial radio station, um, you know, depending on the signal that they are putting out or the, 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 the design of the coverage area, they can cover a metropolitan area. Um, they can uh, uh, put out a, a, a fairly good signal to, to blanket a large, uh, even a college town or, or, or metropolitan area in much the same way that you might see, with a uh, a full power commercial station, they're they're very similar. Think you know in, in your mind, you know what you would see with say a, an NPR affiliate in, in your uh, in your community, or with a large uh, college university uh, a radio station. That's to be distinguished from the low power stations, which tend to have much reduced coverage area. They're almost cellular in type. They 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 may cover you know, uh, a, 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 a neighborhood, a, a large college universe, uh, uh, campus size, uh, stretch of land, but they're not the kind of thing that you would see that to be able to, to, to cover an entire metropolitan area. So the real advantage is that you, you would have a potentially much larger, uh, listenership because you're covering a larger geographic area. You also sort of alluded to, uh, they're more expensive to run, and that's sort of directly proportional to some extent uh, for the amount of power that you have to put out, right? Whereas low-power FM, there's a limit of about 100 watts, and in this case, we could be talking about kilowatts of power, correct? That's exactly right. The, the, the equipment is, is, is more expensive. The, uh, the, 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 the compliance requirements are more complicated and more involved. Um, you know, you, 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 you know, placement on towers and the like, all, all the various aspects of the operation tend to be, uh, uh, more pricey and more expensive. Low power FM, and it's interesting because, I mean, I know, again, not to get sidetracked off of, uh, into low power at this stage yet, but low power FM, which was a service that was actually created when I was at the FCC in the late 1990s, was specifically designed to be a service that could be very user friendly so that small community organizations, small colleges, churches, high schools, even 
could um, could do a lot of the engineering work on their own, could do a lot of the um, you know the the, the 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 construction and uh, and 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 the the, the 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 build out on their own, and to make it very cost effective, which is not to say that the you know the full power stations are are prohibitive, but it's good to go in with your eyes open and to understand that that a full power non commercial station is not going to have the same economies of scale as a low power. Yeah, just just for reference, I I had the opportunity to visit a Portland radio station uh, putting up their low power FM radio antenna, and it was on top of a one story building. Right, and it was uh, about twenty feet tall. It was very. It was a it was a thing that could be done with. Uh, with the power of people's muscles, not with uh, cranes, it was a pretty that's amazing. Correct. It was a pretty amazing thing to witness. Yeah, that's right. And it, in contrast, I mean, if you you know, with 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 a non-commercial, a full power non-commercial station, I mean, think of you know having to lease space on established large towers, much higher uh, uh, height. Uh, a, a placement of the antennas, you know, so, a lot of them sometimes are on are on large towers in tower farms. So you're going to have to be, you know, negotiating tower leases and the like. The studio setups are usually more complicated as well. It's it's just very different. And you alluded to the fact that that for low power FM, uh, the engineering is pretty straightforward. That that you know, again, it's intended to be accessible. So. How is it for <laughs> how is it for a full power non commercial license? What I mean, if if I were to have a say a nonprofit in a community, and I thought, wow, it'd be great, you know, if we could get a full power license, um, you know, is this something that I'm prepared to do myself? Probably, if I don't have training. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, if you perhaps if you're an engineer, but I mean, we you know we strongly urge uh, uh, anyone who is interested in in in, in applying. For a full power non-commercial station to, you know, to 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 to, to consult with a consulting engineer. Um, this is different, for example, uh, than you know an, an engineer that you might have on site who is the person who is um, you know charged with setting up your equipment or, or 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 mounting your equipment on a tower. The consulting engineers are. You know, a, a a specialized breed that um, that usually tend to do a lot of their work off of um, off of uh, computers using computer programs that have uh, that and and track all uh, you know existing other uh, spectrum users in a particular area, and uh, and their job is to um, locate um, you know usable spectrum within the. Uh, Within the uh, reserved band, because again, you, 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 there's a certain number of limitations that are imposed by the FCC, both in terms of you know the amount of power that you can have, as well as what channels that you can use, the not the, what frequencies that you can use. And their job there is to is to try to locate available spectrum. I, I you know, it's funny. I liken it a little bit to. Um, you know, trying to find a parking spot in a parking garage. You know, you're the, the, what they're what they're basically looking for is is space where they can a, a new station can be placed. And sometimes the they will design what that station looks like, and that may involve you know a a an, an omnidirectional signal which radiates 
you know, 360 degrees around a, 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 an antenna and tower, or they may have to sort of wedge in a new signal, which may require directionalizing that signal a little bit. And that's their job is to sort of design uh, what, what a, a hypothetical station is going to look like. Right. Paul, um, is, this, and- is this a good time to ask about where... What where it, what kind of space is left on the radio dial in most Absolutely. places? Absolutely, that was my next question. You know, we we hear we we broadcast from Portland, Oregon. Eric and I, and we have colleagues in San Francisco. And I look at the left end of our dial here, um, and I and it looks pretty saturated. It doesn't seem to be a lot of spaces. Is are you know where where are these opportunities likely to be to put on a new uh, non commercial community college or public station? Right. I mean, I think that's I think that's true. And I think that's a that, that, that's an issue that's not just confined to the non-commercial band. I mean, that's across the across the, 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 the spectrum uh, entirely. You know, you in, in the in the last uh, commercial uh, auction that was or the, the commissioner commercial filing window that was opened, um, you know, what you 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 were seeing, um, at, you know, applications that were being filed and, and, and allotments in in smaller communities. And I think that's entirely the case that that may be the case here as well, where, you know, you're, you're not necessarily going to be looking at um, new stations that are going to be plopped in Miami, Chicago, New York, but in smaller uh, uh, college towns or more or community uh, 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 college towns or smaller uh, uh, more uh, even rural areas that are not quite as saturated, um, and that's again, that's what the the job of uh, of the of, of the consulting engineer is going to be is to locate some of these uh, these communities where there is place to put in uh, 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 to put in a new a new broadcast facility. And as you know, you mentioned you know so that. Folks have to be ready to to really work with a consulting engineer to try and determine what the feasibility of that station will be in their community where they'd like to be and probably have to have some flexibility about where at least their transmitter might be sited. You know, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be right at the same place as, as your studio uh, is, is going to be, as it often isn't for for a lot of full power stations. But, you, you know, may need to have some flexibility there. And there's a possibility that it, that it may not be possible right in the area where you want to be, especially if you're in a bigger metro. Uh, it sounds like maybe, you know, if you were in a in a big metropolitan area like, say, Chicago or New York. Maybe there is an opportunity in a in an exurb, <laughs> perhaps right, and to serve a slightly different community, um, maybe on the rim, but but it may be very difficult to have a signal which reaches say Midtown Manhattan or the Loop. That's exactly right, and 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 remember that also you need to you know have some type of uh, nexus with your. Uh, with your nonprofit or community organization, because that's, you know, frequently one of the criteria that the FCC is going to be looking at, especially with low power FM stations is, you know, are, are, are what, you know, what are you going to be using this station for? What is your non-commercial educational purpose for this station? And, you know, how are you going to be serving the community that uh, that is being covered by this station signal with the station, um, you know, they are trying to uh, prohibit, you know, what 
lack of a better way of putting it, just speculators who may come in and just pick up this, the, the, this spectrum who really have, you know, no connection with the particular community or the coverage area. So you have several challenges. You know, you want to find available spectrum, you know, find spectrum in an area where you're going to be able to service a viable community and you want to have you know, some kind of nexus with that community so that you can show that um, there's a legitimate reason. You're not just applying for spectrum to warehouse that spectrum, but that you have a legitimate you know, educational purpose in applying for this broadcast station and going to be using it for that purpose. Yeah, I want to, I want to, ask a question that is um that that is in poor taste but it's you're we're you're referencing uh the idea that these radio frequencies when they are allocated to uh you know when people get 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 a hold of them they're worth a huge amount of money on in a marketplace they can be sold but uh not, that's correct but not necessarily with non-commercial well, that's that's it gets complicated with low power FM. It's different. So with these huge non-commercial uh, radio stations that are being uh, offered uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, you use the word auction. Is it is that how it works? Well, no. And 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 so the what 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 you have is when a window, as the FCC calls it, a filing window, is opened. For a um, for a, a a batch of spectrum that may become available, and this may be spectrum that's available nationwide, or it may be uh, you know little pockets of spectrum in different markets across the country. Um, you may have uh, you know no interest in spectrum in a particular area. You may have very limited interest in spectrum in a particular area, or you may have enormous interest in, in, in spectrum in a particular area. If there's a single applicant for a stretch of um, uh, bandwidth of, 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 of spectrum, and literally there's no one else competing for that same spectrum, um, and it can be licensed to that applicant, and that applicant meets all the other criteria and that they are an educational organization. They're a nonprofit organization. I, I left out very, very important tribal communities, which are also eligible for these, uh, hmm. for these, uh, uh, uh channels. Um, then they about, will get it. I'm sorry to interrupt because I, I am very interested in your whole answer. What about churches? Yeah. Churches also, but again, they, they, they are absolutely uh, eligible for these. But, but, but the FCC does have uh, an interest in making sure that these stations are being used for, an, for, for a, not only a non-commercial, but also an educational purpose. So again, the idea is that if you are a religious organization, uh, you know, a church, um, that um, you be able to show that there is uh, an intent to use these stations for a religious, and that can be, uh, I'm sorry, for an educational, and that could be religious educational purpose. Um, so they, so they absolutely do qualify. But let's say you're in a community where there is increased interest, or in a community where there's a lot of interest. Well, you may have a situation where you have multiple applicants who are 
applying for either the same channel or who are applying for channels that cannot mutually coexist with each other. And so therefore the FCC is required to have to pick one or the other. They can't both exist. That is what the FCC calls in its parlance mutual exclusivity. Let's say that the app, the, the two or more could be four or five could be 10 applicants are mutually exclusive with each other. They cannot all exist. The FCC has to pick one. So in instances like that, the FCC has to go to some type of a mechanism to be able to break that deadlock. Now, there was a time many, many, many years ago when these uh, were done by comparative hearings. Um, there, were, there were some services that the FCC even handled by lottery, very famously the, in, in the 90s, cellular licenses, early cellular telephone uh, licenses were doled out by lottery. But with, um, with current FM stations on the commercial side, they are done by auction, where it literally goes to the highest bidder. But on non-commercial, they are not done by auction. And that's because the not the, the edu non-commercial educational nature of this service is seen to be in its own category. They, you know, you don't pay filing fees uh, in applying for um, for these uh, 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 licenses when you file your applications. They don't pay the when they when you are licensed. You don't pay the usual annual regulatory fees, a type of a tax. They're treated almost like they are the tax exempt status that they are, and as a result. The tiebreakers are not done by auction. They're done by a point system where the FCC will look at various criteria to determine you know, which applicant will serve the community most effectively, yeah. has next to community, and they have a whole series of, um, of criteria that they use. And that's a, that bureaucratic, they, that's a bureaucratic process, not a political process, I'm assuming, like – the, the 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 political appointees to the FCC are not the ones deciding the points. Yeah, it's the idea is to make it as objective as possible. So there is a so there is an initial sort of tie breaking uh, 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 system that's put into place uh, to to determine you know, whether um, you know whether this is a first service in a community that has never seen uh, a broadcast facility like this before if uh if it's a uh, a first or second service that's going to be uh that, that's going to go to 10 percent or more of the population with its uh what they call a 60 dbu contour and that is also going to serve at least 2,000 people then you get a particular credit for that but assuming that there that that doesn't break there are there's there's in, in the non-commercial FM um, scenario, you have a point system. There's a set total of seven merit points that, that are awarded, and you can get points for um, whether you are a local applicant. That's that you are a local and established for at least two years in that community. That's why I was talking about the importance of the nexus uh, 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 with the community and that they even want to make sure that a certain percentage, 75 percent of the board resides within the community. You can get uh, 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 points for that. Um, likewise, for that you get points what, for what's called uh, diversity of ownership, which is if the... Um, if the proposed station doesn't overlap 
with any other station that that the applicant or any part of the applicant already has an interest in. Um, so there are, there's a variety of different uh, other criteria that are used, and these points are then allocated to try to break the deadlock to, uh, to, uh, uh, to see who can get the, the channel. And even if there's a deadlock there, there's a third round of tiebreakers that, uh, that can be used that, that are all aimed at breaking the deadlock so that at the end of the day, you end up with one selectee that gets the, uh, that gets the, the permit for this station, yeah. for this channel. You're listening to Radio Survivor. We're here for the love of radio and sound. The voice you just heard was Frank Montero. He's a partner with Fletcher, Heald, and Hildreth, a law firm that specializes in broadcast and communications law. I'm Paul Reismandel, and today we're talking about how an organization, how your organization maybe even, might apply for a new non-commercial FM radio license uh, when the window opens with the FCC, when the opportunity opens up on November 2nd of this year of 2021. Uh, you can certainly learn more about this. We have lots in our show notes at radiosurvivor.com. This is episode number 300 as well. Uh, you can listen to past episodes of this program. So as I alluded to up at the top of the show, these opportunities for new licenses don't come around all the time. So now Frank tells us a little bit about how long it's been. When was the last time there was an opportunity to get a non-commercial full-power radio license from the FCC? These these uh, opportunities are relatively few and far between. Uh, they you know they, they they cycle around. In the case of you know of of, of not the non commercial station non commercial educational stations as well as the low power stations, you know these these are the first opportunities that we're that that we're seeing you know in in sort of an eight to ten year range uh, uh, here. So you know this is an opportunity. I believe the last uh, uh, low power. Uh, FM uh, uh, license window was I want to say probably in 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 2012 I think somewhere it was around 2013, there. So actually, been, yeah, it was it was the fall of 2013. Okay. Yeah, right. So it's been it, it's been a while, and 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 I think even longer with uh, non commercial. I think FM. It was, yeah, I think it was like so, 2010 uh, was the last right. uh, non commercial window. Yeah. So so really, it's one of these things that if if now that we're hearing that the FCC is indicating that they'll have these windows, even if the dates haven't been released, now is the time to really organize if, if you are in a, if, if right. you're in a community where you see a need to, to create a community station or you're at like a college or a high school or a university and you feel like adding in a radio station would be a great compliment. Um, now is the time to begin yeah. getting, getting everything together. Paul, and, Paul, what would be, is it possible to give advice over the radio? What is the first <laughs> Well, I was, I was going to ask, I was going to ask Frank. So, so let's, yeah, let's look you. specifically at the, at, at the full power stations, right? And full power stations, what they, uh, the minimum power is like about 250 Watts. Am I correct? Right. And, That's and, correct. and go all the way up to, to kilowatts of power. Um, you know, and you've you've already indicated that you know it seems like 
the opportunities will be less prominent in large metropolitan areas. You mentioned New York or or, or yeah, say, simply uh, because Chicago. those simply because those cities are full. It's you can't right. you can't cram anyone can't, can't cram any more stations onto the dial. It's limited space. It's a full parking lot versus an empty parking lot. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's say I'm in I'm in a smaller community. Uh, you know, let's say I'm in a college town in more of a, a rural area of Missouri or rural a new area suburb. in Idaho. You know, a new a new an exurb, if you will, and it looks you know it feels like my left end of my dial isn't so so congested. Where should I start? What should I begin to do now if I think I might want to take advantage of this opportunity in 2021? You know what I would do. I mean, is first of all, there's 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 a, a there's a fair amount of literature out there uh, uh, about about these filing windows. Uh, we have a blog that called comlawblog.com that has a a lot of information on this. And so right now, I think you know what 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 we're urging people is now's a, a very good time to identify a good consulting engineer to uh, start having that consulting working with that consulting engineer to, uh, to, 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 so that they can familiarize themselves with what you're looking for and, and vice versa um, to also keep track of what um, what's going on at the FCC in terms of, you know, these public notices, because the, this information is going to be trickling out over the course of the next uh, uh, weeks and months. Um, and, so uh, and there, and when, when the information comes out, you know, you're going to have very specific deadlines that are going to be announced, not the least of which of course is going to be the actual filing window itself. And they call it a filing window because it's a, it's usually a stretch of time during which the applications will be accepted, but will not be accepted after the last day of that window. So it's, it's important to, you know, know when that window is coming up. And, you know, there, there's not a situation where the SEC is going to call you on the phone and say, hey, this is your wake-up call, time for you to get you ready. You have to uh, uh, be um, conscious of what's going on. And that's why having, say, a, a, a professional like a, an engineer involved, having a law firm, you know, involved as well right. to, to be able to assist you with uh, because a, 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 an important aspect of this is going to be um, structuring your ownership, you know, making sure your nonprofit is uh, 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 you know is, is set up and 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 satisfies all the requirement. To also make sure that um, that you you know that, that 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 the ownership structure of your organization does not have any characteristics that might disqualify it from being a participant. This is a particularly true, say, in low power FM, where there are very, very strict ownership re uh, restrictions on the b ability to have an interest in a low power station and, say, a full power station, or in the case of a full powers uh, applicant, that, 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 you know, if you have ownership interest in other stations, it may uh, 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 cause you to forfeit certain points in the uh, in the point tiebreaker system. Yeah. You know, a, a good lawyer will walk you through. You know, what th this could be a problem. This could be a liability for you in the point system. You know, this could increase your 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 chance in the point system. And the other important thing, um, and I think this is a, a, a really important to point out. Um, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, 
be a, a, a little cautious as I say this, but I think it's worth stating. Um, especially in the low power FM arena, but I think low, it's not confined to low power. When these windows open up, um, there are a lot of um, questionable service providers that are out there. There's going to be people out there who are looking to sell you equipment, to sell transmitters, to sell you know engineering services, to sell you space on a tower or the tower itself. Um, and you have to be really, really careful because there were that there were a lot of small um, nonprofit organizations, you know, local colleges, um, you know, community groups that were frankly ripped off. Hmm. Um, during the last window, uh, because they were just looking to sell equipment. Um, you know, do not, uh, uh, you know, the, the, even the FCC will say, do not start purchasing equipment, uh, now or purchasing equipment. Yeah. You know, when you, when you pl- uh, send b- by your application, uh, when you submit your application, because if by some chance you do not win, or not awarded a, a construction permit, you know, that equipment is, is not, is not useful to you at all, but there are plenty of folks out there that would love to sell you sort of these turnkey services where we're going to, we're going to give you a lawyer we're going to give you an engineer and then you buy all this equipment and you're good to go. Um, and you know, some of the, some of the engineering services that those groups uh, provided was faulty. Mm. Um, their applications were dismissed, and then when, wow. uh, yeah, when they were dismissed, and then and then afterwards, you know, the church, whoever, was stuck with all this transmitting equipment, very valuable transmitting equipment that cost them a ton of money, that is basically, you know, sitting unusable in their warehouse because they don't have a license to transmit with. Well, that brings up a good question, Frank. I wonder if you can give us at least some sense. I realize that you are a lawyer and not an engineer, but it sounds like you're telling us if 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 we want to, if, if someone wants to participate, or an organization, really, a nonprofit wants to participate in the upcoming uh, licensing window for non-commercial full-power radio license, um, they're going to need to have some capital on hand, right? So even if they're advised not to go buy build studios, buy transmitters, etc., in advance. Um, you know, if they're awarded a license, they're going to have to do that stuff, right? And they and they've got a a window of time to do it, correct? About how long do they have to to if they're if they're awarded that construction permit? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And in fact, you know the 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 ability to have sort of the the the, the financial resources to um, to construct the facility and to operate the facility are are all going to be um, you know factors that the FCC will take into advantage uh, will, t- will take consideration of. And in fact, there's even a question on the FCC application form for the full power non-commercial um, station, which incidentally is, is, is referred to these, you know, these are government forms. So they're, they all, they assign them your, 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 these government uh, uh, numbers, but it's called a, a form, an FCC form 340, 340. But um, but th- there's a, there's actually a, a, a question on the application as to whether or not you have sufficient net liquid assets to construct and operate the station for three months without additional funding. And uh, and so they want to make sure that, 
you know, that you have uh, uh, sufficient uh, uh, capital on hand because these construction permits, when if, if you are um, a selectee, as it's called, if you if you either are the only applicant for a frequency or if there are multiple applicants, but you happen to be lucky enough to have the, the most points and you win the, the, the permit uh, as a result of the tiebreaker, what you receive from the FCC initially is a, a piece of paper, which is a construction permit. And that construction permit is going to give you a limited period of time, three years, to construct that, per, that, 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 that station. Um, you have to build it and you have to get it on the air within the time period before the permit expires. But what that means, of course, is that during all that construction time, you are, um, you, you are, uh, 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 you know, putting in an investment of capital without any, a, any return. There's no station. It's still just, you know, it's just an unbuilt construction permit. Mm -hmm. So you have to have the capital to be able to, you know, navigate your way through the application process, uh, to, um, if you're lucky enough to win the permit to basic to 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 uh, to 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 build the station, and that includes possibly either erecting a tower or uh, or 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 leasing space on the tower. One of the things, it, another question on the application is to you have to certify that you actually have assurance of a, a, a of a tower site, and mm. and you need to include that as well. Um, and then once once the station is up and running, um, you have to be able to operate that station uh, knowing well that it's going to take a little while for your organization to ramp up uh, and uh, and get a, a full head of steam going. So, you know, it's it's a slow process that's uh, that, that 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 and you have to be able to uh, you have to be able to underwrite that because the worst thing would be to, you know, uh, invest all that money to only get you know halfway or two thirds of the way through the process, and then you 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 run out of money, and you you never got your station on the right, air. Right, right. And I've seen I've seen tons of instances of you know organizations doing fire sales of permits that are about to run out of time, oh. and they want to try to get some money out of it because they ran out of money to be able to build it. Yeah, uh, and, and, and so when we're talking about that money, Frank, you know, we're definitely talking about tens of thousands of dollars, right? I, and I realize that it's going to vary depending on the market, you know, and the availability of things like tower space or, or, or all sorts of, you know, really physical plant costs, but we're really talking about tens of thousands of dollars yeah. at the very and least you to get even, off the ground here, aren't and we? You, and you haven't even started talking about... Uh, staff to make the radio so that listeners right, right. will appreciate uh, what you're putting Absolutely. out on the airwaves. This is Radio Survivor. We're talking with an expert on uh, radio law, on media law, because there's a FCC window opening up for new full-power non-commercial radio stations for the first time in the um, since we've been on the air here at Radio Survivor for five years. Uh, there's also a new low-power FM window opening up, which is very exciting to us at Radio Survivor. I I don't want to take up too much of our time asking a dumb question, so I'm going to ask Paul to rein me in. But I'm wondering <laughs> about if this moment is a reasonable moment, Paul, uh, for low-power FM stations to upgrade, right, to become full-power 
non-commercial radio stations in their community. I think it's a great question for Frank. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, sadly, there is uh, – the, the way the FCC um, treats uh, low-power FM stations, they are, they are considered to be their own classification uh, of station. Think, for example, the difference between AM versus FM. Um, that's, uh, th- those are two completely different distinct classes of radio uh, 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 stations, the FCC, um, you know, there, there's some overlap in the way they're regulated, but they are treated very distinct and very separate. And the same thing with low-power FM. Uh, you know, if you are an AM station, you cannot convert it to an FM station. And if you are a low-power FM station, you cannot convert it to a full-power non-commercial FM station. You, 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 you could um, apply to increase your power within limits, within staying within the, the limits of the low-power FM service, but to actually transform a low-power FM station into a full-power commercial, uh, full-power non-commercial FM station is not an option. Right, but what if the best organization to apply for this new <clears throat> Full power FM license, which is a, such a great opportunity for the cities where this is possible. I, I imagine that that peop, that the groups, the organizations, the the people that have been running low power FM stations now for ten years or five years are among the most qualified to do yeah, the work. Yeah, I'll, I'll just they... follow up there, Frank, because I know of a few low power FM stations. I'm thinking of KPOV, which is in Bend, Oregon. Um, started out life as a as a low power FM through the first window in in 2000, and later uh, was able to apply for and get a, a full power license. Although my understanding is that they also then ceded that low power FM. License. That's exactly right. So basically, that it is it is possible to you know uh, um, trade up, if you will, to uh, uh, to 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 apply. For a a a, a non commercial a full power non commercial FM station, however, because of the ownership limitations that are placed on low power FM stations, you you cannot have an interest in a low power FM station, and that applies not just to your organization but even to members of your board uh, cannot have an interest in that low power FM station and simultaneously have an interest in the full power non-commercial station. So as a result, um, you know, if you are going to apply for a non-commercial FM station, precisely as you described with the Bend, Oregon instance, you would have to divest uh, or have that board member divest their interest uh, in the low-power FM station. And that is one of the reasons why, uh, you know, going back to what I was speaking earlier, when you are getting prepared uh, for these windows, consulting with uh, counsel on your structure is so important because you know you do not want to suddenly discover uh, some disqualifying aspect of your ownership structure or that you have a uh, you know a board member that would be disqualifying, and then it's too late to do anything about it. Um, when, when, when you apply this, you want to, you know, map that out early on and then 
Um, and then if, you know, if divestitures are going to be necessary, make sure that those divestitures are, 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 are put in and place. And by divestiture, you're basically saying, you know, I'm going to put this into, into little less legalese is basically you're saying, um, if I'm, uh, you know, a member, you know, basically, a, a, it requires a non profit organization of some sort to own a non-commercial radio license and that could be a school it could be an independent nonprofit, could be a church and usually and, and usually by state or federal laws these organizations have boards of directors who are essentially the people who have the interest such as it is if i'm serving on the board of that non-commercial uh, of that low power fm that wants to trade up i need to need to actually really leave that board to create a new organization and vice versa if i'm on a uh, if i'm on the board of a uh, local community radio station or uh and and it's a full power station and then i'm i also know some folks on it and another organization i want to create a low power fm and i want to be on that board too i can't be on both i got to choose one or the other more or less that's exactly right and it's what the fcc refers to an attributable interest and that attributable you cannot have an attributable interest in both and that that attribution runs not just to the nonprofit organization, but anyone that has an attributable interest in the organization. And that, it, that, that includes uh, members of the boards of directors. I'll tell you another interesting one, for example, is that there, there's a provision for uh, low-power FM applicants that, that a disqualifying factor is if, there's, if, if they had ever been found guilty in the past of running a pirate radio station, for example. Well, right. I mean, I'm not saying that this happens that often, but if you had a member, a board member, who at one point or another in, in their past uh, uh, had run an, a, a, a pirate radio station, that could be a disqualifying factor. You need to have your board, you know, you be, you know what, I, what, 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 what we suggest is to, especially with organizations that may have larger boards, is to have a questionnaire that goes out that they can fill out information so that you can, you know, aggregate all this information, see where the potential problems are, and be able to deal with them early on. Uh, before the window is open. I'm just extremely curious about uh, uh, profiteering, right? Like these, these, especially the full power stations. We, oh, so I know from, I learned from Paul doing the work of Radio Survivor that low power FM radio, it, the way that they gave out the licenses, they made sure you couldn't profit off of them. They just went back, they got absorbed back into the body of the spectrum without being uh, sold for money. But the full power spectrum stations they're worth a lot of money and people could get some places they're not worth much in some places good point uh a lot of a lot of radio survivors energy over the last five years has been talking about uh college radio stations that were worth more money to be sold than to be operated and we lost so many big stations that way um is there is there something in this in the rules to keep people from uh getting rich well, the the uh, with the full power stations, I mean, they're, they're right now they they can be bought and sold, and you know they they you know what, with the limits the out of pocket limits tend to run more uh, with regard to uh, programming agreements, for example. So in so a, a very um, a popular way to monetize commercial stations, for example, is through what's called a time brokerage agreement to be able to let others come in, program your station, pay a lot of money to... to, Is uh, is it okay to... uh, Here, Paul, you could stop me and I'll cut this out of the podcast, but I want to leave it in. We've... 
uh, Jennifer Waits has been producing some episodes of Radio Survivor that uh, that are exploring the world of Christian radio more and more. And uh-huh. so we bubbled up on a list, and we get offers all the time now to pay to get Radio Survivor on Christian radio stations all around the country. And it's is that right? And we laugh because we don't. We're not going to take that opportunity. We wonder if it's a story we should. Report. <laughs> we don't have the money to do it, and we're not really uh, apostolistic. But, in it, our, but uh, it made us realize that there's this huge marketplace where people pay to get on the radio on Christian. No, radio. absolutely. I mean, if you've ever been, you know, if you've ever been to the um, National Religious Broadcasters uh, Convention, I mean, it is it, it is it's very intensive on on on. Uh, you know, programming and and the, the the distribution of programming and syndicated programming and the like. Yeah, and that's and all in the world enormous. of non-commercial radio. So people, you no, that, can't... no, those are all commercial stations. Well, not that are all hitting of it. Up. Not okay. all of it. So, okay. for example, sorry, sorry for you know, oh my God. no, not all. Of it. Yeah, because like for example, like the two biggest, um, the two biggest um, Christian broadcasters in the country. I, I, I certainly radio broadcasters. And I believe this is correct. Is you have. Um, you have uh, EMF, um, Educational Media Foundation, on the one hand, you know, their stations are all uh, non-commercial. But then you have Salem Communications. The Salem stations are commercial. So they, they and, they're, and in fact, Salem is a publicly traded company. So they, they go about it, you know, very, very differently. But yet it's, you know, it's clearly all uh, a religious programming. So it's not, it's not all that way. Yeah, I, but, I just know, want to point EMF, out that, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. EMF is huge. Yeah. No, I was just going to say EMF is an, an EMF is one of the biggest broadcasters in the country. Radio broadcasters. That's the non-commercial Christian radio. Yep. So they, yeah, and, it, and, and I, I want to be very clear. They could win a lot of licenses in this upcoming window. EMF might grow. Okay, but, but Paul. Yeah, EMF is not the ones hitting us up. We're basically we're getting emails from small, uh, you know, relatively small commercial radio groups that are Christian broadcasters. Right. Right. So that's, that's and, you know, and the funny thing is that if they are if they are um, using non-commercial licenses, then, you know, technically there is a limit there. There are limits and and in, in how much they can charge for that broadcasting time on their station, because they're not supposed to be able to, you know, uh, uh a profiteer uh, off of those, off of those, uh, off of those licenses. It's the same concept that goes behind not selling commercial advertising time, right? I mean, they're allowed to sell; un- they're not allowed to have underwriting announcements, but they're not allowed to flat out sell. They're not, not supposed to have a rate card right. with, with with commercial time, even though the fact of the matter is, we know they do. But <laughs> but, but but you're not. But yeah, I mean, they do. Yeah, but, I know. But they're, I know. they're not. They're not they're not supposed to just to do that. But there there are also these very complicated um, ownership structures that 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 can operate out there where you you know, you can have, um, uh, you know, when I in the 90s, I was with a firm with one of our biggest clients was CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network. And they you know, we had uh, we had CBN which is a nonprofit, but then CBN had a series of subsidiaries, including one of which was the family channel. Family channel was a wholly owned uh, subsidiary 
of CBN. It was a for-profit co- company. So CBN owned the stock, 100% of the stock of Family Channel. You know, ultimately, they ended up selling it to ABC, Disney. You still, you know, it, still be, it became ABC Family. If you ever wonder why there's you know, an hour of 700 Club uh, programming uh, in what you it's, – it's not called ABC Family anymore. I can't remember what – ABC changed the name of it now. But if there's, a, there's an – I remember my, 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 my daughters used to watch it when they were little, and they couldn't figure out. They were like, Daddy, why, why, is, you know, why, do, why is all this religious stuff come up? It's because, uh, uh, it's because CBN actually negotiated that into the contract with Disney that they could retain an hour of programming every night. So, you know, they, that, that was a – that's a – that, that was a for-profit, uh, 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 you know, you know, endeavor. That, but, but it was nonetheless wholly owned by a non-profit organization. Yeah, is, is it okay get, to ask about complex. if the FCC has any way to weigh? Because uh, it just seems so. I mean, I guess it's really a different show. Well, I'm, Frank, I'm Frank so yeah, it's a different it, show, so me, and, and and I think what Frank answered the question a little bit. Uh, I think where you're going, Eric, is that that the FCC looks at. The, in, in, in assigning the, the non-commercial license, it looks at whether you actually intend to use it <laughs> right? yeah. and, and, and have the means to use it, right? So, so the, explicitly from the outset, especially in a non-commercial spectrum, they're trying to construct the system in a way that discourages the trafficking in licenses. That's exactly right. Right. That, that and and, yeah. and it's pretty. I mean, and it's why they have holding periods think, as well. You know. they, they impose holding periods on, on on some of these on some of these permits and licenses, precisely for that reason. So so that you're not so that you don't apply for them and then flip them. So you know, so that that's that those holding periods are are, are are there for that reason as well. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, uh, eventually they. They are unshackled. They become an, they become a, 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 a an asset that can be bought and sold and, and traded just like any other. Frank Montero, partner with Fletcher, Heald and Hildreth, a law firm that focuses on communications and broadcast law. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your expertise and this information about how organizations can take advantage of the upcoming non-commercial radio license opportunity in November of 2021. I really appreciate it. It's been great. I've very much enjoyed uh, speaking with both of you. And yeah, keep keep an eye out for these windows as they open in 2021. That brings to a close this edition of Radio Survivor. You can learn more about everything we talked about on today's show in our show notes just go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. Look for episode number 300. This show is heard on more than two dozen stations across North America and Ireland and is also available as a podcast, often with some extra bonus material we don't have time for during our usual allotted airtime. Again, that's at radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. This is a volunteer created program and website we do this with the support of our listeners and readers to learn more of that go to radiosurvivor.com slash support we'd love to hear from you you have any questions about getting a radio license that went unanswered here we'd be happy to hear from you and help answer them in a future program or if you have ideas for future programs please send them to us podcast at radiosurvivor.com Thank you so much for spending another hour with us.